Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. There was a word that came to me, and it was, are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper, right? And it's, it, it might be a little confrontational preaching, and, and, not, and not in a bad way. It's re- I feel like I want to teach you to think. I want to teach you to hear God's voice for yourself. At the end of the day, that was God's command upon my life. It's teach them to hear my voice. It's not teach them to hear your voice. See, you don't overcome by my voice. You overcome by his voice. I'm simply repeating what he says, and you got to get to a point in your life where you're repeating what he says. Because all authority, all power, all glory, all honor comes that way through us, right? So are you a peacekeeper, a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? This is not directed to anybody. This is directed to me. I'm talking to myself, and, and you choose if it's for you or if it's not for you. But we want to really start educating you guys to step out in love, always in love. But let's go, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I literally was, I don't know if some of you saw me, I was like on my phone, like, because I was literally getting the download in the preaching. He gave me the title this morning, but he didn't give me the scriptures till like, you guys were worshiping, I'm back there like, I'm getting a download now, I get the download now, let's go, you know. I want to be here just jumping and singing, you know, but God was like, I want to give it to you right now. So I'm taking it right now, and now I get to release it. Um... Peace, um, so I search online, what's like in the natural realm, what's a peacekeeper to then enter into spiritual things. Well, in the natural realm, it says that peacekeepers are stationed across the world seeking to provide an environment that fosters the absence of all conflict. But biblically, um, guided peacemakers, on the other hand, seek to align their mission with that of Jesus' desires for us. So uh, um, I'm, I'm going to go a little more. It says, and this, I didn't write this part. This I got from online. But I found this pretty interesting article because I'm like, okay, what's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? And it says, oftentimes we confuse a peacemaker with a peacekeeper. A peacemaker is someone who is willing to resolve both outer and inner turmoil in order to establish peace with others and within themselves. Peacemaking will require engaging in conflict and tension to help bring the situation to a solid place. Really good, right? Very big difference to a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper, on the other hand, desires to maintain peace by avoiding conflict. They typically give into tension or steer clear of disagreement to keep others happy. Peacekeepers hate rocking the boat. Therefore, they will sacrifice their own inner peace to maintain the facade of peace with others. Peacekeepers may look like peacemakers, but only one group is experiencing true peace. Boom. We could drop the mic here, go home, because that's deep. (laughs) That is so profound, it's so deep, and it's so good. So the question is, 
are you a peacekeeper or are you a peacemaker? Because peacekeepers just, like it states here, they want to keep the peace. It means, and I'm going to use my stories, for example. I lived a very abused life. And I never confronted the abusers. I just need to keep the peace. I went to school and I got beat up. And I got bullied. And I allowed it because I was a peacekeeper. And I didn't want more problems. I didn't want more abuse. But guess what? The abuse kept coming. Uh, Friday, Friday, I got delivered on I-75. I'm talking about delivered. On I-75, got stuck in traffic for two hours. I was on a way on a, on a meeting with my, my, my apostle, my spiritual father, Caleb. And one conversation led to deliverance. Deep, hardcore, internal, profound healing all the way back to six-month-old Abraham. And then page by page by page by page by page by page. I mean, I was stuck in nonstop, like completely stopped, non-moving traffic by God's decision. Because God was like, you're going to get delivered on the highway. You're not going to get delivered at church. You're going to be stuck in your car. You can't go nowhere. You're going to get delivered. And I was just like, I didn't know. And then I was like, I want it. I want it. I, there's things in my life that even as a pastor, I need to get rid of. I need to confront them. And God brought it. I always speak about um, forgiveness, right? If you sat under the teachings that I bring, I talk about forgiveness all the time. And it's good. Because I've forgiven the transgressions. But then I learned something. He was pierced for my transgressions. But he was also crushed for my iniquities. Right? So I left all my forgiveness. As I forgive what they did to me. But guess what? Somebody says something wrong and all of a sudden I'm having a trigger. And then I go back to the place where I was hurt. Well, those are the very words that person did to me. Those are the very things they did to me in the past. And now it seems like it's about to happen again. That's not even that person's intention. It just sounds like similar words. But now it's triggering me back to the transgression. You see, transgression is the sin that you committed or the sin that was committed against you. They beat you. They molested you. They abused you. They cursed you or your father abandoned you. Your babysitter molested you. Your pastor in your church kicked you out and humiliated you in front of the church. And you forgave that. But you're still having triggers. You're still not completely free. I wasn't. Because I never dealt with the iniquity. See, so transgression is the sin committed against you or committed by you. But iniquity is the consequence. It's the triggers. It's the anxiety you still have when you see men that remind you of him. Iniquity. Iniquity is you can't be around pastors. Extremely uncomfortable around pastors. Because if I'm around pastors, one of them is about to say something that's going to hurt me. Because that's what the other pastors is. Iniquity is blaming everybody else for what they did. Right? And God was like, today in the car, I'm about to set you free from your iniquities. I'm about to set you free from the side effects 
of the sins. I'm about to set you free from the abuse. I'm about to set you free from the curses. I'm about to set you free from that abandonment. I was free from my hatred against them. But I wasn't free from the consequences. I wasn't free of the words. I, I set them free. But I was still holding on to a peace. And I didn't even know it. Deep. You're the guy that preaches about forgiveness. And I did. It's not saying I didn't forgive him. But that I forgive myself. Why is it that I'm still carrying with these triggers? Why is it that I still can't build intimate relationships with people? Why is it that I still come to church, but I'm going to sit in the back and I'm going to run out before everybody gets to say hello? Because even though you forgave your old pastor, you're still carrying trauma from that pain. Maybe you just refuse to open your heart to a new relationship because not that you didn't forgive your ex, you're still carrying with the baggage. Because even though you forgave the transgression, you're holding on to the iniquity. Deep, right? It gets deep. I'm like, oh, God. Abraham, you're going too deep. You're going into places we, I don't want you to touch. Well, he touched them for me, so I was chosen to touch them for you. Because <laughs> freedom is good. Freedom indeed is good. I feel great. I feel no shame. And I could tell you, before Friday, I had no consciousness of this. I had no idea. All I know is since last week, I was going through some demonic triggers. I was literally battling. I was calling people to pray for me because I don't know what's wrong. Why am I experiencing this now? And God is like, well, the egg is hatching. It's time to make it hatch all the way. It's time to get you set free. You know, and I accepted it. And this, this goes into being a peacekeeper. And being a peacemaker, Caleb could have been like, well, we could just keep it exactly where it's at. He says, hey, Abraham, you trust me? I trust you. He goes, I see God showing me this. He could have been quiet because he wants to keep the peace. Or he could be a peacemaker and set me free. That means as a peacemaker, I'm going to confront. Because I know you're going through something and I want you free. Or I could just keep going, yeah, you're okay. But are you? We could act like it's okay, but is everything really okay? You know, it's time to set people free. It's, it's wonderful. Peacemakers may look like peace. Peacekeepers may look like peacemakers. But only one group is experiencing true peace. What is true peace? True peace is not what this world gives. There's only one that can give true peace Jesus it's Jesus and I'm going to go over some scriptures right Jesus said this peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world giveth I give unto you let your heart not be troubled let your heart not be afraid See, there's things we call peace on earth, but they're just medication that are treating the symptoms and not the condition. I used to do it. I used to sleep around. I used to get drunk. I used to get crunk. I used to drop it like it's hot. Yeah, this guy, I don't look like it, but it wasn't like this. You got to look at to Abraham 20 years ago. <laughs> if I drop it, it's going to crack and I'm not getting back up. You know, 
I go to a chiropractor, guys. I'm getting, I'm getting up there. All that dropping that it was hot. <laughs> I got a chiropractor now because all that dropping in the club. My knees hurt. Sometimes you might see me randomly just sit down and go forward like this. It's because my chiropractor said, when your back hurts, lean over. <laughs> so you think it's the spirit. I'm stretching my back. <laughs> Anyways, God is good. Um, but my peace I leave with you. His peace is confrontational. People think it's like, oh, and we're just going to let it be. No, that's not real peace. Drinking it away is not a real peace. Building relationships, going here, going there, thinking that's peace. It's not peace. It's going to catch up to you and it's going to bring turmoil. It is. If we continue doing the things that we did before, you're not going to get the results. You ready? I think everybody in this room done did it. Did it work? Did it work? All the things we did, even religion. Oh, I'll just go to church and I'll just sing the songs they sing and I'll act like they act and do what they do and it still didn't give you peace. You know why? Because peace is not copycat. It's not, it's not a shadow of it. He wants to give you your own peace. You see, I could start acting like her and maybe the way she acts is that where she found peace, but I don't know her journey right so God she acts a certain way she does what she does because that's how God met her and is dealing with her peace right so if I try to copy her I, I might try to do she might jump in church and do this and I might do it but why is it giving her peace and not giving me peace because she has a revelation of what she does I don't have that revelation so it's not just copying people to see if it works it's literally learning from people that things work but it's not to copy people i am teaching people when we do glory soaking is because let me tell you people wonder how do you go on for hours like you just go and you don't stop and how do you prophesy you see why i can walk into a room and prophesy to everybody because i was walking in the streets prophesying to everybody because i was going to the beach and i said these stories before i would go out in the water because i used to be very afraid to sing in front of people so I used to go to the beach where the waves were roaring and everybody was on the beach. And the Lord said, lift up your voice and sing. And I would sing in the beach where nobody could hear me. And the Lord used to tell me out there, he's like, you're going to be a pastor. And you're going to sing in front of people. You're going to do this. And I'm like, never. That could never happen. But he's like, just keep coming to the water. So I just kept coming to the water. And I started inviting my friends. I was like, you know, the Lord says that one day I'm going to be a pastor. And that is coming real soon. I don't know how it's going to happen. But God keeps saying, I'm at the beach swimming in the water. And God's saying, you're going to be a pastor. And he took me from the beach to the pulpit like this. I wasn't serving at TRP forever. I came to TRP one month later. I was a pastor. How? I still don't know. But I know this much. God kept his word. So what I was doing in the secret place developed. And I would just go out there and be like, Dios, tú eres mi sustento. A mi vida da aliento. Tu espíritu se deja sentir como el viento. Las fuerzas que me lleva a luchar contra el tiempo. And I would just get lost. And for you that understand Spanish, the Lord says that was for you. Mi provisión del cielo 
el Dios que me desata, el que refresca mi alma. Al pronunciar tu nombre, la tempestad se calma, Dios, 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 Dios. And every time I went to the beach, I will go out there and I'll sing the same song. And I will cry because that's my favorite song. And he said, I'm going to take you back to the land and you're going to sing one day with no shame. He says, perfect? Is it not perfect? I don't care. In his ears is perfection because I'm pouring my heart to him every time I sing it. And all of a sudden, I didn't know that one day I was going to have a gathering where my heart's desire was to simply teach people freedom. I'm not getting up here to teach you how to sing my song. I'm getting up here and singing my song. And hopefully, you get encouraged to sing your song. You know you got a song. You know there's a song you got that nobody else sings. It's your song. Because that song is what touched you and connected you to God. And when you discover that that song is so special, you'll get in front of thousands of people and just sing it. Because at the end of the day, you're only still singing to one. So whether I'm at the beach by myself, or whether I'm in here surrounded by you guys, I'm still singing only to one. I'm still singing to the same one that I was singing at the beach. And that's where freedom comes in. And again, that's not even part of the preaching, but God took me that route. So you turn, like, let's go back to the preaching. I feel like that was, I feel like God stops. He goes, take a tour because this one's for this one. And take a tour and go that way and that was for that one. And we're almost like delivering that need and then we're delivering that need. <laughs> but I'm still going on my path because I'm still going to make it to my destination. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love it. I literally feel like I am on a tour right now. <laughs> I'm not in the garden. I'm on a tour today. <laughs> And that's his, but again, that's his peace. Because the Lord decided to confront the darkness in my life, even those years. Sometimes you want God to do it all at once. Well, God, if you would just take it all at once. He's like, you can handle it all at once. It's too, you've been through too much. You've gone through so much trauma. And you want God to do it all at once. You're going to end up in a coma somewhere. Like, <laughs> like. You want God to do it all at once. That means you're going to see all your old enemies all at once. That means you're going to visit every single person, every single molester, every single bully, every single abuser, every single person that shamed you. You're going to get to do it all at once. It didn't happen all at once. So why should God do it all at once? Stop telling God how he's going to do it. How about you just trust him? Hold his big hand and where you lead, I'll follow. It's not where I lead you, follow. It's the opposite way. I was doing it and I was getting it wrong every single time. Because he's going to be like, he's not moving. He has you on the leash and then you're going to go, oh, I think I'm doing whatever I want. I think I'm doing what. Oh. And you're back. 
Why am I back in the same place? Because you think you're going to do it the way you want. I'm going to do it the way I want. I'm going to do it the way I want. Boom. Why do I keep going around in circles? Because you keep doing it the way you want. And until you don't stop and allow God to lead you, then it works. So you're either going to go around the mountain, round and round we go. Around there, right? Are you gonna be like, nope, I'm ascending? I think I've been around the mountain too many times to keep going around in circles. I think I've been around the mountain too many times to keep getting abused, too many times to keep getting used, too many times to keep getting cursed. Because it's not what he says, he doesn't curse me, he blesses me. I know the plans that I have for you, and they're not plans to harm you. So if you're getting harmed, you're harming yourself. People are not harming you. The only reason the people kicked you out of your old church is because you insisted to keep going to that church because you have pride and you didn't know it. So no, they're going to like me in this church and they're going to like me in this church and they're going to understand everything I say and they're going to they better accept me and then they hurt you because you didn't trust the voice of God. I'm talking about me. I had to let go of my pride. Well, the Lord brought me here, and they're not going to move me from here, and I'm going to stay right here until the Lord says so. And the Lord's like, you were not called, called to be abused. I was brought in this relationship, and I'm going to stay in this relationship. They're cheating on me. They're beating on me. They're being unfaithful, but I'm going to stay here because God's going to change them. No, God's trying to change you. How can God change them when you don't know your identity? God didn't create you to be abused, but you keep accepting the abuse. God didn't call you to be cursed, but you keep being cursed. God didn't call you to be cheated on, but you keep accepting the unfaithfulness. But the faithful one keeps calling you to faithfulness, but you keep pursuing unfaithfulness. I told you it was going to be a little bit confrontational. Just a little bit. <laughs> but I think it's setting people free. Because sometimes we're blaming everybody else. And we don't realize that we accepted the slave mentality that yes, you can abuse me. Yes, you can hurt me. Yes, you can tell me I'm not a prophet. You tell me I'm not good enough. But the Bible doesn't even say that. The Bible says if you go somewhere and then they do not receive you. God gives you a message and they do not receive you. Dust off your feet and keep going to the next town. But until they don't receive me, I will not move. And that's sadly to say, because I have to admit it for myself, it's your fault. It was my fault. I remember when I was in New Jersey, 2006. I went from Florida on a mission for four years. And I waited to hear from God. Prophets used to come and I'm like, okay, the prophet's going to tell me it's time to go to Florida. It's time to go back. Four years. If you don't know what four years waiting on God looks like, Jesus Christ, you don't know. It's painful. And I was like, Lord, get me out of here. I got to go. And then the, the, the day came. I'm telling you, it was on a Monday, like at 3 o'clock in the morning. The prophet, the prophet calls me and says, the Lord just woke me up. And the Lord says, you've done a good job. You have been faithful with the mission that was given to you four years ago. Pack your bags this week and move back to Florida. Now, all of a sudden, so I go to my pastor. Oh, my pastor, I got to go. Jesus spoke. He said, I got to move back this week. He says, 
until I don't release you, you won't go. And then I submitted to disobedience. Guess whose fault that was? That was my fault. For years I went blaming the man. But I was the one that failed the test. This was a test. Who are you going to follow? And I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to submit. I knew I wasn't supposed to submit, but I submitted. Four months later, ooh, I got humiliated from the altar. They did everything that they had to do to get me out. The very people that told me not to go, all of a sudden did horrible things to get me out. And you know what's crazy? The day before it happened. No, not the day before. Okay, so this was a setup. They told me, you're going to preach. And the Lord says, this is the message. I went to another church and preached a message. The church broke out in revival. And then the Lord says, they asked me that Thursday, you, you, you're going to preach Friday. Are you sure you want me to preach? Because every time I preach in this church, everybody starts complaining. Yeah, we want you to preach. I go home. I'm like, okay, I'm going to prepare an easy message. I had a message title. I still have the CD, by the way, um, and the DVD. And it's, it's titled, Whose Coat, Whose Mantle Are You Going to Wear? God's Mantle or Man's Mantle? I preached that at another church, Revival, right? And then God goes, you're going to preach that message in your church. I was like, heck no. Hey, no, they'll kill me. The Lord says, you're going to preach. The, no, I was like, that message is too hard for my church. The Lord says, that's the message you're going to preach. I'm like, no, I'm not. I went home and I started preparing a prosperity, Jesus loves you message. It's all going to work out. Everything you're doing is perfect. My phone rings and a different prophet from Pensacola calls me. I'm like, hello? He knew me. He was a man of God that would contact me, but he will only call when God had to speak to me. We never had conversations outside of that. He would call just to deliver a word. I'm like, hey, how are you? He goes, what are you doing preparing that easy message? I told you that the tough message is the one you're going to preach, and that's the one you're going to preach. And then he says, and then get ready, because from the same altar that you're going to preach, they're going to lash out to kill you. Because I told you to leave, and you didn't. Yeah. Peacemaker. See, I was trying to be a peacekeeper. I'm going to do everything my pastor says. I'm going to do everything that I knew in my heart it was wrong, the things that I was seeing, but I'm just going to submit to them. God called me to go, but since they didn't approve it, I'm going to submit to the disobedience to God, but obedience to man is not going to lead you anywhere. I learned that. And I went through it. Oh, my God, Jesus Christ. I went through it. Direct humiliation. Imagine I called you out right now and shamed you and everything you ever told me, I call it out right now and use it against a blah, 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 putty. And then I felt like God was betraying me. And the only thing that I could remember was the words of the prophet. I told you to leave and you didn't. Right? But I had to learn. So what I'm saying is I'm not throwing it at nobody. What I'm saying is living experience of what peacekeeper and peacemaker looks like. Peacemaker looked like confronting my demons. Because peacekeeper, oh yeah, pastor, I'll do whatever you want. But then at home, I was still going through demons and battles. And demons were tying me up in my bed. And I felt like things were strangling. And I was having nocturnal nightmares. Okay, and I was okay at church. But at home, I felt suicidal. See, peacekeeper. But then the peacemaker, Jesus, came and started 
battling the darkness in me. Then Jesus came years later and said, Oh, that church, after I left that church, you'll come back dragging through there. Your ministry won't be fulfilled. You're never going to make it in life. This is how I got. This is what I got. So I, I got more rebellious. Ah, I'm never going back to church. If this is God, then I don't want this. It was never God. I disobeyed from the very beginning. And I set myself, but I had to go through that trajectory because I wouldn't be teaching it right now. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Even my own disobedience, God has turned it around for good. Years later, exactly 10 years later, I'm encountering the glory of God. And now God says, he woke me up. I had a dream with that same pastor. We were in the mountain of God. And we were hugging. And we were singing on this heavenly mountain. And all of a sudden, we, whoa, we fell from that mountain. And we start falling and falling. You know, the mountain is narrow on the top, but it's wide on the bottom. We start falling and separating, falling and separating, falling and separating. All of a sudden, when we landed, he was all the way over there broken into pieces. And I was all the way over there broken into pieces. And I jumped out of bed. I was like, <gasps> that was such an intense dream. And the voice of God came into my room. And he said, you see, I swore I would never go there. So be careful to say, I will never. <laughs> I promise you, God will make you do your never. God will be like, oh, you're never? Watch me do it. I'm going to heal your heart, and then you'll do it. I never knew I was going to have these type of Jesus encounters when I walked out of that church. So I was like, oh, never walk into this church again, you know? I honor myself too much. So then Jesus, when I wake up, Jesus goes, when you were up here, you used to be best friends. But when you fell down there, you became the worst of enemies. And I'm like, what? I didn't even understand being seated in heavenly places then. Now I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense now. Back then I'm like, what does that even mean? What do you mean? Where were we that we were seated together? You know, I'm like, start asking all these questions because I didn't know. And he goes, you were best friends. And, it, and I've, his voice was so sweet. He goes, I've given you this revelation. Will you go? Will you ask him for forgiveness? I said, Lord, I'll go. Oh, my God. I was like, I'll go. Because now I knew that that is my brother. Whether he doesn't understand me on earth, that's my brother. Whether the enemy used him to hurt me or my, my disobedience. Because guess what? If I would have left when God called me to leave, that man would have never hurt me. So God needed a hammer to break me in my disobedience. So I'm blaming him, but was it really his fault? What if I would have left four months before when God told me to go? I'm telling you, it's deep. It's like mind body, like, oh my God. It's like all these new paradigms. You're like, Jesus. But it's beautiful because then God gave me this revelation and I ended up going and being a peacemaker. A peacekeeper would have been like, I'm staying away from them. I'm never going back. Let them grow and I'll see them in heaven one day. Right? But the Lord says, go ask for forgiveness to the very people that hurt you. And God gave me three words. God said, go and tell him that you love him. Go and say that you're sorry. And then say thank you. And I was like, Jehovah sneaky. <laughs> God is awesome. God will redeem some things you don't even know. The very people that hurt you really bad, 
God will redeem it. So I went. I waited a year. Because I was like, okay, Lord, you got it. I recorded it. I have a video that I'm going to show it to you guys one day. I recorded a video. I was like, in case I get killed, I'm going to go back into this church. Because God told me to go back into this church. I don't know what's going to happen. But just in case they come against me, all I mean is I want to restore the past. Right? I literally did it. I have it. <laughs> you start trusting God with things you never thought you could trust God with. And then the Lord took me back. And I said, I want to say that. When I was in this church, I always loved you. Always. And he goes, I know, I know. And it's funny because when I walked into the church, people looking back like, I'm like, yo, I see you. I know you're talking about me. And 10 years later, you just show up in the house of the people that hurt you. I mean, that takes, that takes courage. And it takes trusting God all the way. And I'm all happy he's preaching. I'm like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That makes sense. He's up to something. He's up to something. He's going to shoot us up in here. You know, you just saw it in their faces like, why would the person that you heard is like praising God for what you're preaching? Why is he so happy back there? And I'm like, they don't even know why I'm here. Yes, this is awesome. I'm like, because God redeemed it in my heart. So then a church is, and he, when he's, he got on the altar, he goes, Abraham, it's so good to see you. You're a gift of God. Right? Ten years later. The very people that shamed me out the door looked at me and said, you're a gift of God. And I'm like, oh, he's changed. A lot has happened. You know when you mess up, Satan comes back and accuses you? So what, guess what happened to that man of God after he messed up for 10 years? The devil was also accusing him and shaming him. So in reality, me taking that step of faith is setting my enemy free. It's healing him. And that's being a peacemaker. I could keep the peace. You go your way, I go my way. Until the Lord spoke. Now it's time to be a peacemaker. I'm going to make peace. And after church, I went out. I was here to tell you that I heard three things. That I love you. That when I was here, I loved you. He goes, I know. I know. He kept bowing his head down like that. And then I go, and I want to say I'm sorry. No, 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 no. We're sorry. Poof. The tearing down of pride right there on both sides pride was keeping me from going back but pride was keeping him from reaching out it's still pride it's guilt it's shame and we're both going through it the very people that hurt you are going through shame and you don't know it because that is what the enemy does accuse he's the accuser of the brethren he accuses you and shames you when you obeyed him and you may stop he comes back and accuses you. And this happens not to just you. It happens to the very people that hurt you. And then the last thing I was like, and the third thing I got to tell you is thank you. For what? Like, because it's confusing. I could I'm like, hey, he's confused right now. I was like, cuz, you made me cry. You made me cry. And they're like, what? I was like, let me tell you the parable that Jesus gave me. Jesus gave me a story and he showed me a toolbox. And in this toolbox, a hammer and a nail lived together. Happy, oh, they were so happy in their box. And then one day, the nail is looking through the little keyhole of the toolbox. And see, he's outside the toolbox, he sees these hands moving. He sees somebody out there and he sees things being touched and moved. So the little nail is crying out through the keyhole, use me touch me 
So one day their hands come and open the toolbox and take the nail and presses the nail against the wall. But then that same hand also, the other hand grabs the hammer. And all of a sudden that hammer starts pounding on that nail. It starts hurting that nail. It starts crushing that nail. And the nail is only looking at the hammer. And it's weeping and it's crying. Why? We're friends. Why are you hurting me? Why are re you rejecting me? Why are you pushing me away? Then the pounding stops. The nail is sat and alone, hanging somewhere. And then it sees the hands cleaning it, fixing it. And then the hands come and hangs the face of the king on the nail. And no longer the nail is seen but the face. But the nail in there is so close to the face. So the nail becomes happy. And not saying that what you did is wrong. I mean, not saying that what you did was right. It's that what was meant for evil got turned it around for good. I was like, I was the nail. And I was asking God to use me, to touch me. I always knew that there was more to God. But God needed a hammer. I willingly laid my life so God could use me. But you never told God to make you a hammer. But God needed a hammer. And you're crushing, you're pounding. It made me cry. And when I cried, the Lord answered. And now I've seen the face of the king. Now I'm no longer hiding in a box. I'm hanging with his face. Thank you because you did a good job as a hammer and you didn't know it. And he just threw his arms around me and hugged me and said, thank you. God redeemed him. God took the shame away. The very person that he hurt now was able to take his shame away. Because when you see the glory of God, you're going to see it in a new way. I was abused and molested as a child. And years later, God took me to take care of the very person that molested me. Doesn't make sense. In the natural, but in the spirit, it makes glory. God healed my abuser from cancer. And God healed my heart from hate. So what meant like evil, God turned it around for good. So being a peacekeeper, if I was a peacekeeper, I'm just going to live my life and keep the peace that I have and forget about them and keep on living, keep on moving, and it's okay. But as a peacemaker, I'm, you say, you know what? Enough with this darkness. Enough of this chaos. Not only am I going to get restored, my enemies are about to get restored. You want payback? Go bless them. You, because you, they were never your enemies. Your battle is not against flesh nor blood, but it's against principality and forces in the air. And those people, at one point, you loved them. At one point, you, they were your best friends. At one point, you worship in the same church together. At one point, you felt the Holy Ghost with them. You used to hold hands with them and shake and fall out in the Holy Spirit. But then something happened. Division came. But did that person bring division, or did division come from the pit of hell? We have authority to redeem what the enemy has tried to destroy. We all have so much power. We can go back and restore the old churches. We can go back and build the ruins and desolate places. 
because that is what Jesus does. He makes rivers flood deserts. He's the one that dries up oceans and makes a way where there is no way. He is the one that makes valleys into mountains and mountains into valleys. He's the one that will make you walk through the fire and you will not even get burned. He's the one that will make you walk through deep waters and you will not drown. You will walk through the fire and not even smell like smoke. You will not look like what you've been through. Because you are an overcomer. You are a peacemaker. Now the Lord, now the Lord of peace himself gives you peace always by all means. Not by some means. Even the means he's going to make bring peace into them. The ones that were mean to you. He's going to use you to give them peace. The Lord be with you all. In Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will, government will be laid on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Consular. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. It's not the peace that the world gives. Because the world tells you, forget the people that hurt you. Prove it to them. Every time you see them, show them you made it. Show them you still made it without them. Show them. This is not what I'm talking about. I lived that. And I was still in the bar drinking. And I was still sleeping around. And I was still broken. But when I allowed the Prince of Peace to come in and give me the peace that surpasses all understanding, he gave me an understanding that was beyond my understanding. Because as human beings, oh, they hurt me, they molested me, they abused me, they deserve death. You know how many Christians? Oh my God, talk about abortion. Go on social media and read what people are saying about the sinners. Yeah, they're sinners, but what are the believers saying about the sinners? They deserve death. They deserve to burn in hell. Excuse me, are you not also a wicked sinner? It should be the way around. It should be the way around. They deserve death. Look what they did. Look what they've done. No, you know as believers we should be falling on our knees and praying for the most wicked ones as well. For the ones that are doing the horrible things, you think God wants them to perish? The Lord says he does not want not even one. The worst, Osama bin Laden, Hitler. These people that kill thousands, they're still souls. Like, we do not understand the concept of hell. No more salvation. No more. Not a break. Not one little break of peace. No more peace. No more light. No more hope. You know, we don't even, as much hell as we go through in this life, and I know we go through stuff, we still don't know what hell is, and we don't want to know. That means you'll never feel God again. That means there will not be a moment of relief ever again. We go through good times, we go through bad times. But we've never been through an eternal, endless bad time where you can't come out of. At least we have church. I'm going through stuff and I'm going to glory soaking night. You should come to glory soaking night because I'm telling you, heaven is moving in this room. And not in this room. Let's put it, let's change that language. This room is moving in heaven. Because this room can't contain heaven. God only brings us up and 
puts it in the present and then brings us back to earth. Okay, go back home. And we're like, zip it, do da, yay. <laughs> Every Friday, I live skipping. I give Rafael home. Are we not laughing the whole way? We're like, hallelujah, God's presence is awesome. <laughs> and that's all I long for. But I was one of the worst ones. I also sinned against people. I also betrayed people. I also was unfaithful. It wasn't just them. And God had mercy. I've been unfaithful to God so many times. I've been more unfaithful to God than any human being has been unfaithful to me. I've betrayed God more times than any human being has ever betrayed me. And yet he showed me mercy. He showed me grace and love. So is it not selfish of me if I just kept it to myself? I already know I was the worst of the worst. It's time to be peacemakers. And we don't have to agree with people. Some people agree they don't want to see me ever again. Sorry, God showed me you're sitting in front of me in heaven, so might as well be friends now. They think I'm mocking them. Ooh, I see their, so I'm going to go like this. I'm like, I'm not mocking you. God took me to heaven, and you were sitting in front of me. And he said, that's where you're going to sit. You're going to sit in front of me forever. So let's be friends. You're a mocker. I'm like, no, I'm telling you the truth. And they don't get it. God took me to heaven. I saw the table. And he said, your enemies will sit in front of you. Go to Psalm 23. It says, and he prepares a table in presence of who? Your friends? In, front of your, in presence of your mom and your dad? No. In presence of your enemies. Your mom and dad and your best friends are going to sit to your sides. But your enemies are going to sit in front of you. And you're going to serve them. Hey, here's some wine. What you want? Some bread? Here, have some bread. Hey, pass me the plate. Here you go. You think I'm playing. Ah, <laughs> I already see all of you sitting in front of your enemies. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I told you. I told you. You're going to be like, just crazy guy. <laughs> you think I'm playing? You're going to be all pretty with your gown and your dress and your crown. But you're going to be like, you, you're still crazy, Abraham. <laughs> I'll be like, look, at least you know I wasn't lying. <laughs> I am not lying. I am a lion. <laughs> Lions don't lie. <laughs> Wolves lie, but not lions. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. If you're a child of God, don't the children look like their dad? So who's the first peacemaker? Who's the greatest peacemaker? But the Prince of Peace, the wonderful King, the amazing Counselor. He's counseling us so we could know what we need to do in this world. He's beautiful. And Romans 14, 6, Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. I am not going to let anybody tear down my king. And I'm making that very clear. In this church, we worship King Jesus. I am a pastor because of King Jesus for King Jesus and forevermore I'm going to magnify King Jesus we're not accepting and we love all peoples we welcome all people but 
the king will never 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 change in this house this house God gave me this house and me and my house we will serve the Lord and that I'm, I already told the leaders that is not being compromised in this church at all it's not being compromised so we're not calling evil his goodness we're not going to do what scripture says in the latter days in the, the the evil will be called good and good will be called evil no good will be called good and you know who's good god is good jesus even said it the father's good only the father's good but what the father does because the father is good everything he does is good so when you go to the book of genesis you hear and he created the trees and he created the animals every sentence ends and it was good because he's good and he's good at everything he does, so everything he made is good. And then he made you. And he said, this one, this one's very good. It's the only time in Genesis where it says, and when God created man, it was very good. We are the best thing. Everything's good, but humanity is the best thing. And it's really hard for us to see it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not just righteousness, peace, and joy, period. No, let's get this right. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You, you don't want to be in the Holy Spirit? Then it's not peace, joy, or righteousness. It's something else. It's a human peace. It's a human righteousness. It's a human joy, but not the one that surpasses all understanding. It's not the eternal one. It's in the Holy Ghost. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Peacekeeper is only going to edify one side. You're keeping the peace. And most likely you're compromising your peace so the other person can have peace. No, it says mutual edification. It's for everybody. Though all the parties are at peace. That's a peacemaker. So let's go out and be peacemakers. And the God of peace. And peacemaking could be brutal. It could be brutal. And in the darkness, in the realm of darkness, in the realm of Satan, in the realm of hell, the peace of God is chaos for the enemy. Just like love is chaos for hate. Love casts out fear. It doesn't carry it out gently like a baby. Get out! Fear. You don't play with fear. Get out. Love kicks, love kicks fear right out. It doesn't gently straddle it and no, out. Fear, get out. It's casting it out. And it says, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. So the peace of God is bruising somebody. Oh, peace. Yeah, it's peace. The peace of God is peace for everyone except one. Satan. The peace of God is good except for one place. Hell. And his demons, his imps, his minions. Nope. His peace is destruction for them. His peace crushes the enemy. Why you think the armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, and boots of? Boots of what? Boots of peace. Why? Because you're stomping on serpents with peace. You could walk into anxiety. You could walk into depression. You could walk into suicide and bring peace to others. Beautiful are the feet 
of those that announce the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ones that announce good news can go into the bad news. The ones that carry light can go into the darkness and shine. And the Bible says that the darkness flees from the light. Love casts out fear and darkness flees from light because of peace, because of him. Amen? So is chaos to Satan. And the God of peace shall prove Satan under your feet surely. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And the last verse and we're done. And it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also are called into one body. And be thankful. And this is the question. Are you a peacemaker or are you a peacekeeper? I think after this, right, you're like, oh, peacemaker, hello. <laughs> Let God use you. Don't keep the peace. Don't accept abuse because you want them in peace. What about you? You matter. Don't let people shame you and you stay quiet because you matter. Don't tolerate abuse. Don't accept infidelity. You have to give yourself your place of who you are because they're in peace. I could do. Imagine. Imagine when you're, when you're with somebody and you stay quiet and they're unfaithful. They're cheating on you. They're going out on dates and you're home crying. They're at peace. It's not the peace of God that they, but they're in peace. I'm that person. I was in relationships in my past where I was home and my exes were going around hooking up. And I was accepting it. I was in churches where they were shaming me and they felt peace about it. And I was going home after church to commit suicide. So I'm not pointing nobody out. I don't want anybody thinking I'm pointing you out. If you feel the convictions that the Holy Spirit, because I'm sharing my journey. Because you are royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people acquired by God. You are a chosen generation chosen to announce you're going to announce you're going to tell people about the virtues of the one who brought you from darkness into marvelous light if you're accepting abuse if you're giving them peace but you have no peace if you're in a relationship where they're being unfaithful to you and you're still there being faithful you're accepting something that is not of God and you need to stand up and you need to do something for you. If you have friends, I had friends that used to call me all sorts of names. I had a, a friend that used to call me fraud. Fraud. And I, I created this complex so bad. I wouldn't even wear shorts because of that word. You're a frog. You lay there like a frog. I had those. Have, if you've been in abusive relationships, you know what I'm talking about. I accepted it over and over and over again, and I almost killed myself. They were at peace because I didn't know how to confront. People tell me now, wow, you're so vocal. Oh, my God. I remember the times I wasn't vocal. And then God gave me a voice. You have a voice. You can speak. You can tell people when they're hurting you. You don't have to swallow it up. Those are lies. And this sounds like what I'm doing right now is being a peacemaker for you. I could keep the peace and just be like, man, you can do whatever you want. No, stand up for yourself. 
Know who you are. Know your worth. Because you're the one that's not sleeping at night. You're the one being tormented by demons. You're the one hurting. You're the one that doesn't allow your freedom, your gifts, your talents to be released for the glory of the one that loves you. So you need to know, are you walking in peace? Are you keeping peace? Which is, you're not even keeping your peace. You're keeping their peace. Right? Or are you making peace? And making peace is going to confront Making peace is going to look at the people that are hurting you and say, hey, I love you, but enough is enough. You hurt me. You're breaking my heart. And it seems like I don't matter. And since I don't matter to you, I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to beg you to love me. I got to go. I need to find myself. And one day, when I find peace, I'll look for you. I did it. I walked away from all those churches years ago. It took me years, guys. Don't think it happened from one day to another. The church hurt me so bad, I ended up back in the club. I ended up back on apps. I ended up hooking with people up again, and I didn't even want it. And I wasn't in peace. I was in the world. I was drinking my sorrows away because the only thing giving me peace was the bottle. But then I went back home. Yeah, I hooked up. And then I went back home and there was no peace. Oh my God, did I mess up? Did I get HIV? Did I get an STD? Oh my God, oh, do, do they like me? Why are they not calling me back? They said they were going to like me. They said they were going to love me. And now I'm calling them and they blocked my number. You want vulnerability? I'm giving it to you. So you don't think I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. But then I met the one that loves me. I met the one that gave me peace. And it'll be unfair if I don't get you delivered. Because God used my pastor this weekend to get me delivered. And I don't want to do, leave you behind. Because I think you're beautiful, because I think you're precious, and because I know you were created for more. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.